right, everybody, welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast, episode 258. Um, This is the place where young salespeople come to get to the next level of their career, uh, up their skill set, make more money, get the promotion, be more fulfilled, whatever it is that you want to learn. This is the place to come. Uh, Super stoked about today's episode. Got a great interview with Colin Mitchell. Um, Before we get to that, let's do a quick uh, word to our sponsors. Uh, first of all, if you want to support the show, the best way to do so is to go to uh, review and subscribe this show wherever you're listening. If it's Apple, if it's Spotify, if you're watching on YouTube, wherever it might be, hit that subscribe button. It'll help us to grow. Um, you can also check out more content from me. I post every day on LinkedIn, Tom Lamo, uh, and I'm posting pretty frequently on Twitter and Instagram at Tommy Tahoe as well. Our other sponsor of this podcast is Postal.io. Postal helps you to create a more curated marketing experience uh, for your customers and prospects. So what does that mean? You're sending gifts to people. You can create a a very meaningful experience. So rather than the Starbucks gift card, which they do have also, uh, you can do something from the local brewery or uh, the florist nearby and kind of create that mutual connection. Uh, And in a world where, uh, a lot of us aren't taking out prospects to cut to uh, dinners or to coffee or whatever it might be. Uh, doing it digitally uh, is the way to go. And this is the, one of the great ways to do it uh, is to build rapport and build trust and, and build those long-term relationships. So you check them out at postal.io. OGs to the sponsor. So show them some love. Today, I've got Colin Mitchell. Colin is the CRO at SalesCast. He's the host of the Sales Transformation Podcast, where I was a guest recently. You should go check us out on that one if you want to learn more about me. Um, and, and Colin's got a great background. He grew up, you know, dirt poor, uh, didn't go to college, got straight into sales, hustled his way to get a VP of sales title. Uh, we talk about how he makes the flip from just that hustle and grind to actually working on his personal development at a certain stage and learn, you know, reading books and getting into mindfulness, and getting into his morning routine, and eating healthier, and all these different things that actually also boost up your performance at work. So, um, and then we get into podcasting, why he thinks everyone should have a podcast, every salesperson. So, we have a great conversation. I think you're going to dig it. Colin's got some great content, and he's got a great story. So, without further ado, let's get straight into our conversation. Let's go. All right, Colin Mitchell. Good afternoon, my friend. Welcome to Millennial Sales. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good, man. Happy to come on. Uh, was uh, was fun having you on my show. So uh, now I think uh, we we know each other a little bit. So I'm sure we're gonna have some fun. The old switcheroo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, the podcast swap. Yeah, as I, I love like it. to say. I love it. Um, and you're down in in El Segundo, is that right? This LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm over uh, in the LA area, so uh, my office is on one side of the LAX airport, and I live on the other side of the LAX airport. So, I've been fortunate enough to continue to come to my office all through all the madness. Um, I have three little ones at home, so uh, you know it's kind of like even at the height of the the pandemic, and my wife was. Uh, wanting me to stay home. I said, you know, if we want to be able to pay our mortgage, I got to go to the office because there's no such thing as quiet space in my house. <laughs> no, I believe it. How old are your kids? Uh, yeah. Six, five, three and number four is coming soon in 2022. Who? congrats. 
Yeah. Yeah, man. Just keep, uh, life just keeps getting crazier. Four, it'll be four under seven. That'll be, uh, you're, you're, you're suited for the challenge. You're ready to go though. Yeah. I get, I get bored easy. So might as well keep it interesting. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, all right. So we might, we might get back to that topic of, uh, a family and fatherhood, but I, I want to get, uh, first into your journey, um, into sales, you know, just from doing some mm-hmm. research on you, it sounds like if I were to piece a few things together, it sounds like when you grew up, um, you know, maybe, maybe it's going too far to say didn't have much, but like, wasn't, you know, school didn't seem to be a big focus. Didn't, didn't go to college. Um, and then came like directly into sales with the thought of like, this is the way that I make money and like control my destiny. And then, uh, you know, it's kind of like the initial gauge into the professional world. Is that, is that fair? Am I off? We're, we're yeah, man, it's a wrap. You told my story pretty well. So <laughs> let's just get 50 minutes back on our calendar and, 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 yeah. and put a bow on this. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, man. I mean, most of my stories out there, I've been on a lot of podcasts, I, you know, my LinkedIn bio kind of says a lot there, um, but I can fill in the blanks a little bit. Right. So um, yeah, I was raised by a single mom and, you know, we were poor and we survived on government cheese and food stamps and came up short to pay the rent often. And, um, and so I didn't, you know, and my mom had to work and she worked nights. So it kind of left me to figure a lot of things out on my own. And, um, and so nobody was really around telling me that school was important. Um, I barely made it through high school, got my credits and, you know, college was just not even on my mind. <clears throat> And so when I got my first sales job, you know, I don't have the traditional story of, Hey, I went to school to do this thing, or I thought I wanted to do this and it didn't work out. And, you know, sales was kind of my plan B, which I'm sure you've heard that story many times, right? Nothing wrong with that story. Uh, but my story is like, I had zero other opportunities knocking at my door. So sales was the only open door for me. And I knew that it was my way out. And so if I didn't want to, you know, have that type of life that I had experienced previously, I, I really needed to make the most of that opportunity because if it didn't work out, there was no plan B, you know, it was probably some dead end job, not really doing much living check to check and having a struggle. Uh, so I was the first one into the office every day. I was the last one to leave. And then I came out on the weekends to get my list ready to send out proposals, um, and do all those kind of like things to prepare for the next week. And I did that for a while and worked my way up to the top pretty fast at that company. What was the first sales job? What were you selling? Yeah, I was selling office equipment supplies. So, um, like printer cartridges. And so I was selling those to, um, and we sold other things too. Like we sold iPads and accessories and like hardware and all kinds of other stuff. Um, but like those were the biggest margins. So typically like those were the accounts that we were going after and anything else that we sold was just kind of an, like a, like a cross sell and the margins were okay. Um, but if clients weren't buying those kind of core products, they weren't very profitable. Um, and we mainly sold to like school districts and government and stuff like government agencies that would typically, you know, make pretty large purchases. And, uh, my training was, you know, very formal. It's like, here's your script. There's the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you was, it was all inside. There was no, uh, you weren't like going to visit these schools, right? No, no. I mean, there was like a rare occasion, maybe like a local account, but it was all over the phone, um, all over the phone. You know, people weren't really, this was like 
11 years ago. So like, you know, zoom meetings weren't very popular. And, and if you did get on a meeting, like it was probably like 90% of the people would keep their cameras off. And you know, yeah, yeah. it was, so it was a lot of just phone calls, you know, I'd make a hundred plus dials a day. Uh, we had a CRM, but my manager told me not to use it because it didn't work. Um, so like I literally had stacks of three by six cards, um, with my prospects name, email, and my notes on there. And, um, you know, you learn to get really good shorthand with your notes when you have only like a three by six card to document every single conversation with a date. Um, so, yeah. you know, I learned how to like, really just like last action, next action that I needed to do to sort of like close the deal and stuff like that. And I had like a file that I put them in and, um, it's not that the technology didn't exist. It was just that like our, our, our CEO didn't believe in investing in the technology at the time. Yeah. And how long, it sounds like the, the early days you started to see success just through sheer hard work, grind, willpower. I'm going to make this work. Um, at what point did you start focusing more on like the actual, like the skill set of sales and um, try to develop yourself, like whether it's through reading books or, uh, you know, having a mentor or some, some other sort of learning? Like, when did you start to think about like the actual craft of sales? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So, um, I worked there for, for several years and, and, and they had promised me, uh, that I could manage a team. And I thought that's what I wanted to do. Right. And, uh, I, I definitely wasn't ready. They probably knew I wasn't ready, but they kept sort of like telling me that they were going to give me that. And eventually, um, you know, I got tired of hearing that and left and went to another company. And, and that's when I started to really develop more skills and, and really like invest more in myself and, and my personal and professional development through like courses and books and podcasts and, you know, um, following certain people and stuff like that. Um, and something that I actually started to realize is like, <clears throat> which I didn't know previously is like, okay, I could, you know, become the best cold caller or I could, you know, level up my copywriting skills or become better on social, or I could do all of these like hard sales skills that could, you know, make me incrementally better in sales. Um, but I started to realize that like, if I invested more in myself personally, then I would show up and totally crush it professionally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And which is absolutely true. Um, who are some of those early influences for you? Like in the book courses, uh, I mean, like two books that just, I would say totally changed and shaped a lot of the way that I think of selling is Larry Levine selling from the heart and then Keenan's gap selling. Like those are kind of two of my favorite books that I've read several times. I mean, there's tons of other books like the challenger sells a great book. Um, uh, combo prospecting by Tony Hughes, great book. I mean, like there's just, I go on and on, but those are two that like really forced me to think about sales in a way that I hadn't been thinking about it previously. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I started to realize, like if I did certain things, like it wasn't just, you know, uh, like kind of like hard work and hustle had gotten me so far to that yeah. point and I sort of hit a ceiling. And so I actually had to find a way to actually work less, but sell more. And it meant like taking more time investing in myself, like mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, like all of these things of like having a morning routine, eating healthy, getting proper sleep, exercising regularly and doing all of these things to just be a better, you know, human being. Um, and then I could actually just show up for a normal, you know, eight hours and just fully crush 
crush it and have more energy, have more confidence, um, and excel in whatever sales role that I had. Okay. So let's, let's, let's double click there. Let's get a little deeper. So, um, because I can definitely relate to that experience. Um, walk me through, try to, try to bring me to that place that you were like, how are you feeling when you were maybe working? I, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but more than those eight hours, right? Like 10, yeah. 12, whatever it is per day grinding. And then yeah. you made the realization like, okay, if I work a little bit less, but I start taking care of myself more, I, I work on myself physically, mentally, spiritually, all these different ways. That's actually going to be a greater impact and a bigger like compounding effect on me in the future. Like, what did it take for you to realize that? Yeah, I was really struggling with my, you know, first VPF sales position, uh, managing people, right? I was your typical manager that was like top producer, um, thought I could manage a team. And then I sort of thought like everybody should sell the way I sell, right? You heard the story before there's tons of horrible managers out there that manage this way. Right. Yep. Um, and, and so I was really struggling and like fit and was having a hard time managing people and training people. And like, um, it was stressing me out, you know, and I started to realize like, okay, I started to get like a meditation practice and I started to get like serious about like waking up earlier and eating healthier and exercising, like on a, you know, regular consistent basis. Um, and I realized when I started investing more time in those things that I could show up as a better version of myself, like in my sales role to manage people, to have better relationships, all of these things that are important to be successful in any sales role that you have. Have you taken that same approach as a founder or has, have you had the shift because now the whole, the whole thing's on your shoulders? Mm, that shift's kind of started to happen <clears throat> prior to me starting my first company with my wife. Um, and, and, and then, you know, it definitely helped me with like entrepreneurship, you know, like, so that, that sort of transformation of, of investing more in myself personally to excel more professionally, um, happened prior to me starting the first, my first business. Uh, but it definitely was essential because as an entrepreneur, you have so many more responsibilities than you do as a seller or as a sales leader or as a manager or a VP or sales of anything. There's like so many things that you have to learn uh, that you never think about before that you sort of take for granted. Um, but the thing is, is if you have good solid sales foundation, then all of those other things, like you'll figure them out. Like some of them you might not be great at, and that's okay. Some of them you'll figure out how to outsource. Some of them you'll eventually hire other people that can do them because you might just suck at those things. Um, yeah. but you know, like the number one skill that any entrepreneur should have is sales hundred percent. So you, you talked about a lot of different things that like going from point A to where you are today and, and throughout that journey of eating healthier, meditating, so on and so forth. If someone's in that place that like, they're feeling like they need that shift and they need to, to work a little bit more on themselves and they're just grinding away and they know that they need to do that for the long term, like what would be, what would be the first move you would make? Like what would be the first thing you invest in for yourself? The first thing that I would do is probably, um, you know, different people have different spiritual beliefs or whatever, but uh, find some sort of, for me, like meditation is my go-to. And like that has evolved over time um, where I used to sit with a group of people and go for like a talk and like, you know, it's a lot of that stuff's virtual. Um, 
And it used to be like just sitting in the morning. And now I actually sit for shorter periods of times, um, but I do it multiple times throughout the day. Um, and so, you know, when you have a mindfulness practice, you can start to become more self-aware of certain things and you could have more like time to pause in between like being reactive and things like that. Um, you develop more patience. So there's like so many benefits to having like a consistent meditation practice, um, that it'll start to fix some of those other areas that you might be struggling with, but I can't stress enough how much just simple things like eating healthy and getting proper sleep. Um, you know, I, wake up at 4:15 every day and like I'm always asleep by like 9:30 or 10 at the very very latest. Um so just getting like a proper sleep like it's no longer cool to sleep for 4 or 5 hours and think that like you're going to show up as the best version of yourself in your role. You're just not. It's not sustainable. Um so just like simple things and like you know you might not want to take all these things on all head on at once because it probably be too overwhelming but just look for like simple adjustments and small improvements that you can make. Um, and over time, you know, as you start to get more comfortable with like a routine of maybe just getting more sleep um, and that feels good and comfortable and that's working well, then like, what else can you do? Like, can you um, start to do, you know, maybe an exercise routine and maybe it starts with like five or 10 minutes of something in the morning and maybe it becomes something else. I mean, I don't start work till seven. Like that's when I get to my desk. Um, but I work, wake up at four 15. So there's a lot of stuff that I do prior to getting here to when I come to work, you know, I have, I'm full of energy. I stand all day and I typically have eight to 10 to 12 meetings every day. And I'm, I don't feel burnt out ever. So can we talk about that? What that first, what two hours, 45 minutes looks like. Yeah. So I wake up four 15, uh, with my wife, I have coffee, um, typically I have like a couple different things that I read in the morning. Um, I sometimes journal, like that's like one thing that I'm, that's one new thing I'm trying to integrate. Uh, been really resistant with it, tried a couple of different things, but I'm experimenting with it. Um, so I'll try to journal. Um, I have a meditation practice with so me and my wife will meditate together. Um, and then we go and we swim, we swim every day. So I have a group that we swim with at a pool and we have a coach, um, so I typically swim anywhere from 2,500 to 3000 yards every morning. Um, and then I get to my office after that. And I pretty much, you know, I don't look at my emails or my calendar or anything until I get here. Um, and then I have a little bit of time where that first like 30 minutes of the day, I don't have anything scheduled so I can kind of get organized and prepared for my day. And then it's pretty much meeting after meeting all day long, whether it's going on podcasts, recording podcasts, strategy calls, client coaching calls, um, sales calls, whatever, reviewing proposals, whatever. It's literally calls all day. Uh, and then I get home at the same time every day. So I'm pretty much home by four 30 every day and I'm done. Um, and I don't work anymore for the rest of the day and I never work on the weekends. Mm. Why? Okay. There's a few things I want to, I want to dive into why swimming. Yeah, it's a good question. So I used to be a runner, um, and yeah. I used to go to the gym and all that good stuff. Um, and my wife swam in high school and college and we actually met in a running group and used to run marathons together and stuff like that. And then eventually the running just sort of takes a toll on your body. And, and, uh, she had been swimming for a while. I was still running and she kept getting, you know, like encouraging me to try it out. And I was very resistant. I was like, no, swimming's not for me. And then I just fell in love with it. It's just a, such a great workout. It's a great way to start the day. 
I, I feel, you know, energized. I feel refreshed. It's like a nice big win to start my day every day. And, um, been doing that for the last couple of years. See that I've actually been interested in that because I'm, I'm a runner, uh, played tennis. Like, you know, I would say running is one of my favorite things to do. Um, but the reason why swimming is interesting to me and I suck at swimming. So it's, yeah, it's not because I'll be good at it. But it's it's feels like it's gonna be like running in the sense sense that you can kind of get that flow state. You got probably like one consistent speed, but there's no you're you're not bringing your phone in there. You're no. like completely cut off. You're underwater most of the time. Like you're you're so as far cut off from the rest of the world as you can. And I imagine doing that at what five thirty or six in the morning every day is like, man, that that probably feels pretty good. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it does. And we do it with a group of people and we have a coach. So we were like in a local like masters um, club and it's a beautiful pool and you know, the water's great temperature, you know, it's quiet. Um, it's just a great, it's very meditative. Like it's just you and your mind. Right. I mean, in between your sets and, uh, and surprisingly, like there's when you're swimming, you might just think like, oh, you're mindful, you know, like mindlessly swimming. Um, but there's a, to really swim well with a proper technique. And I was horrible at swimming. Like I couldn't side breathe. Like I probably looked like, you know, a fish flopping in water. And like the coach took mercy on me and like literally, you know, took me step by step and taught me. And like, eventually I, you know, I swim in some, you know, one of the faster lanes now. Um, but you know, there's, there's a lot to work on. There's a lot with your technique. There's a lot to think about. So that it's just the mechanics of swimming and the different strokes. Um, you know, you're not just sort of mindlessly like swimming from one side back to back. There's, there's a lot going on to, you know, properly swim, you know, efficiently and get a good solid workout. Mm. And the other thing I wanted to dig into you with was the, the mindfulness piece. So it sounds like you do a morning meditation with your wife. And then there's multiple times throughout the day that you're kind of stopping, pausing. Um, could you just like elaborate a little bit on that? Like, are you just for all those, are you just kind of like focusing on your breath? Are you, you have some sort of mantra, you're just allowing yourself to space out something completely different. What, what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I use, uh, I've used, you know, all the, I've probably used every meditation app that exists, um, in the app store. I've sort of settled on my personal favorite, uh, which is called 10% happier. Uh, it's by a guy named Dan Harris and, um, he's got amazing teachers on there. He also has a podcast and he also wrote a pretty incredible book. Um, and so I just love that app, uh, because it's got very, it's got all different levels of meditations. Um, it's got like all different lengths of meditations. Like sometimes it's just one minute, sometimes two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, and then there's longer ones, um, and you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes and so on. Um, but it's also very digestible, especially for, you know, somebody who is maybe new to meditation, um, or is like looking for a good, comfortable way to get started, um, with language that's, you know, more common and not too heady. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's got content there that is applicable to like anybody at any level of meditation, which is what I really like about it. And, um, so I do a lot of guided meditations and then there's a lot of meditation content in there, uh, with specific intentions. Like if you're dealing with like a stressful moment, or, um, if you're like, you know, having some, you know, self negative self-talk or like, you know, anything that you could possibly think of, you know, that you're looking for 
in that moment is available very easily from the app is what I really like about it. Mm, I'll have to check that out. I've read the book and his book is great. Um, yeah. For anyone that is has anxiety, he uh, just normalizes it really well, I think. Yeah. Um, all right, let's, let's, let's zone back out from the daily routine. Let's get back to you and your career. So uh, you're crushing it as a rep, crush as a VP of sales. At some point you go to start your own company. Uh, I think, I think multiple companies. Yeah. So like, what, talk, talk to me about that, that decision, that jumping off point. I, I think a lot of salespeople have this innate entrepreneurial sense in them. That's yeah. one of the reasons why you choose sales or why you're drawn to it. Um, mm -hmm. So talk to me about leaving the world of sales and sales leadership and starting your own, your own company. Yeah. So <clears throat> what happened was I was VP of sales at this company and, uh, and my wife who we were just dating at the time was, uh, in sales herself and she was in recruitment and, uh, she wasn't really loving her job too much. And I said, why don't you come over here? You know, like we're doing well, we're hiring people. Like, why don't you just kind of come learn and see what we're doing? And, 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 you know, I think eventually maybe we could maybe start our own thing one day. Um, and she, you know, did that and came and worked there for a while and learned what we were doing. And then eventually the day came where we just decided to start our own thing. And, um, our first office was our, the living room of our one bedroom apartment. Like we <laughs> rearranged all of our furniture and just plopped two desks in there, um, and started cranking away. And then eventually we got an office and outgrew that office. And that was kind of the, uh, routine there for, for a little while. And we eventually in 26 months, we grew that to 5 million in annual revenue. Wow. It's yeah. crazy. In how many months? 26 months. So a little over, Just two, over years. two years, man. Yeah. So all, all fueled by sales, zero marketing initiatives, $0 spent on marketing. Um, literally just, uh, selling, recruiting salespeople, training them. Um, and, uh, you know, we had some really key early on great hires, uh, that contributed a lot to a lot of that success. How important was your background in sales to that's oh, exactly extremely, extremely important. Like, you know, these days, like you see a lot of, um, maybe more technical people or creative people take sort of the entrepreneurship route. And a lot of times those particular personality types or people, um, uh, really struggle, struggle with sales. Um, and they could have the best product or they could be the best at what they do. And if they can't sell, nobody cares. Hmm. I, I completely agree. I like the, um, I'm a follower of Naval. Uh, and he says, you either got to learn how to build or sell. And if you could do both, then you're unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah. That's a rare breed. Um, and so if you're, you're the type that's more of a builder, get a co-founder that's a seller. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, because it's, it's tough to be great at both. Yeah, I agree. Um, but you only have to be good at one or the other. And if you're a great, great salesperson or sales leader, you've got a job anywhere and you can make a lot of shit happen. Yeah. And if you're confident enough as a seller, then you should be willing to bet on yourself and take that chance because, Hey, if it doesn't work out, there's always going to be sales jobs. Yeah. What, what was the idea that was like your first company that you, yeah. So we were doing the with? same type of work. Um, we basically just went out our own and, and started doing yeah. that. So we were selling, you know, we were an IT bar selling hardware, software, consumables, um, equipment, things like that to school districts and government. And so, 
Um, we did that for a while and, um, you know, we had an outbound sales team, so we heavily relied on the phones and, uh, we had lots of problems with our phones all the time. And we had lots of, uh, a lot of our reps would come in early and work the East coast and, um, cause we were here on the West coast. And so, you know, they, it'd be five in the morning and we'd be having problems with the phones and everybody pissed off and, you know, I just was frustrated and didn't really know what to do. And we had this techie guy in our building right next door to us. He was our neighbor. And he's like, and I was, you know, kind of, um, confiding to him, you know, pissed off again. And, and, uh, and he's like, I think I could put something together that'll work better for you. And so he got a software and threw it on a virtual server and connected it to like a trunk provider. And like, it worked great. Um, and then we started selling that to our customers and, and then we realized what we kind of needed to rebrand. So I started another company, a unified communications company. Um, and we took that duct tape solution and, you know, eventually invested in like a commercial switch and we scaled that to over 6,000 users on that platform. Dang. And then where, where does the sales transformation podcast come into the story? Yeah. yeah. Killing it on that. You're yeah. doing what one episode a day, right? Like five days, a week? Uh, five a week. Yeah. Five a week. Yeah. So Monday, <clears throat> Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we drop interviews and then Tuesday and Thursday, I drop solo episodes. They're typically yeah. anywhere from five to 10 minutes. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So, um, to kind of go back a little bit. So I started another podcast previous to, uh, previous to that where I interviewed entrepreneurs and founders and I got kind of bored. Um, but what led up to like getting into podcasting was I went on a podcast for the first time. Uh, and it was, you know, my co-founder of Salescast, Christopher Decker. I went on his podcast. I had a great experience. And I said, how do I start a podcast? And he said, you can interview anybody you want and I'll take care of the rest. And I'm like, awesome. That works for me. Uh, and then, you know, the plan was that I was going to do like maybe one or two episodes a month, which is ridiculous because <laughs> you're never going to have a successful podcast. Like you need to do weekly at, at least weekly, like bare minimum, like consistency with podcasting is, is a huge part of having a successful show. Um, and, but he was willing to meet me more where I was at and what I was comfortable with. But then, uh, I got some advice and went on this like crazy, uh, you know, where I interviewed like 20, over 20 people in less than three weeks and we released them daily. Um, and so in that, in that time period, the idea was we were trying to pick up a lot of podcast listeners didn't really work out for us. Um, but it created that like consistent habit and the process around what was needed to produce a high quality show, um, with that consistency and that frequency. Uh, and so then we started to offer that to other people because what happened is a lot of the people that were coming on the show were also just like me curious about starting a show and you know, they didn't really know anything about starting a show. So they started to ask us questions and I was like, I think we have like a business here. Let's give it a shot. Um, and so now today we've launched over 60 shows. We manage, produce and promote over 40 shows in house in our network. Um, we get people booked on high quality shows, um, we do a lot of, we have a sales and podcasting community. We just did a masterclass yesterday, teaching people on how to get themselves booked on podcasts. Um, and it's, and it's a lot of fun. We had our biggest month last month. We onboarded seven new shows, which were shows that already existed that are, you know, kind of lacking strategy and not really driving revenue with the show. And, um, it's been a lot of fun and sales transformation is, uh, originally was a different show. It had a different name. It was kind of funny because, 
um, we just, we didn't follow our normal process for my show. Yeah. <laughs> kind of how a lot of times marketing agencies suck at marketing for themselves, but they're great for yeah. their clients. Uh, we just picked a name and started recording and went with it. <clears throat> and then a few months ago, we decided to take me through our normal podcast launch bootcamp process. And at the end of it, we decided we were changing the name because it was more aligned with my own personal experience, the work that we're doing and uh, the book that I'm you know, trying to write as well. Nice. Um, so you mentioned that you had a, a previous show where you were interviewing founders and kind of got bored yeah. with it. Why do you think that it, like, why do you think you're drawn more towards uh, talking about sales than talking with other founders? It's just, I think it's, I'm just more passionate about it. I enjoy yeah. the conversation more. And I feel like it's also a way of me like giving back to the sales community, which, <clears throat> you know, I feel like sales was my way out. Sales kind of like saved me from like the life that I was living before. Um, so I have a lot more passion for it. Uh, it's much more enjoyable. Um, and like, I have a lot of gratitude to just sales as a profession, uh, for giving me like the life that I have that I never dreamed I could have based on like, you know, all of the odds sort of being against me based on how I grew up. Super true. I'm curious. Um, let's like, when you think about salespeople having podcasts, right. Yeah. Um, I remember when I launched my show about four years ago, um, a uh, chief marketing officer who will remain nameless, uh, you know, kind of like embarrassed me uh, in front of people. It was like, there, like no salesperson should ever create content. Mm. And uh, that blocked me for a little while uh, from writing the blog and from doing the podcast. And this show started with a co-host of mine. And we had an interview and we, we, we sat on it for probably like three-ish months yeah. before we ever released it. Uh, and it was one of the best decisions I've ever made to, to release it. What would you, what's your take on other salespeople, uh, having podcasts? Yeah. Well, first off, I'll say that, uh, there's a pretty good chance that CMO that with that advice is probably, uh, unemployed now, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I believe the exact opposite. I believe everybody in sales should have a podcast and most people would be like, that's ridiculous. Uh, but there's so many benefits of being a podcast host and there's so many skills <clears throat> that you acquire or that you level up that are transform, uh, that can transfer over as sales skills, you know, being a host, you learn to intently listen, um, at a, an, at an ability that most people never get to. Um, you're constantly flexing that sort of curiosity muscle, um, that is essential to be a successful seller. So just those alone, like even if you just did a podcast about, you know, some personal interest where you interview people and you ask questions, like those skills are going to be transferable over to like your sales skills that, that alone. Okay. Now let's take it a step further. Um, everybody needs to create content these days. Like, I mean, if you're in B2B, LinkedIn is probably your number one lead source, you know, besides the phone. Um, and creating content is part of the strategy there. So, um, you know, it solves that problem. You know, not everybody can like come up with clever things to <clears throat> write every day or th even three times a day or even once a week can be a struggle for a lot of people. So a podcast can solve that for you very easily. If you do a weekly show, 
you could repurpose that in so many different ways. You'd have more content that you even knew what to do with. So, all right, checks that box, right? Um, but what's even more interesting is everybody tells sellers, like, you need to get to know your prospects or your ICP, right? Go read their books, go listen to their blogs, figure out where they hang out, all these things that people tell us, which, you know, those are good. Not that that's bad advice, but what better than just having conversations with them and asking them any questions that you want? All of that knowledge that you get in those podcast interviews is going to go with you in every single sales conversation that you have after that. Um, so there's a lot of things there. And then the most beneficial thing that, that I think that I believe in is like, it's the best way to get access to anybody you want to get access to. Mm. And, and you can be smart about that. So if you're looking for people that uh, you want to build relationships with that can drive revenue for you and your role, then create a show around interviewing those types of people. Now don't do it in a sleazy way, but if you create if you build a relationship that's based on value from day one, where you're collaborating and creating content and getting to know them on a pretty deep level that you would never uncover in any discovery call, there's a pretty good chance if you give them a good experience and you add value and you solve a problem that they have, they're likely to do business with you, refer business to you, or maybe even both. Mm. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think on all those things, yeah, there's the direct skill benefit of like, the questions you're asking, right? Like same thing as asking discovery questions and staying curious. Um, I always say it's the number one networking hack in the world uh, yeah. to, to your point yeah. on that. It's like when I started there, you know, people didn't want to meet with me and like have a coffee with me, but they did want to talk about their business or their book or their, whatever they're pitching. Um, which is, you know, which is super beneficial. And, you know, I think the next, next level is like, okay, can you, can you have a show that's, that's also catered to people that you might be able to sell to and it helps your career. Um, and that's like the golden goose because you're able to tie a passion of yours and a networking kind of tip and something that you're doing on the side with what your actual probably primary stream of income is. So, um, I couldn't agree more. What one question I get in the, if I get one question in the DMS on LinkedIn, the most often it's Tom, I got this idea for a podcast where, what do I do? Where do I start? So what would you, what would you tell the 18 people that are going to DM me that this week? What would you say to them? Yeah. So a couple of things, uh, there's a, there's a piece of, there's a, there's a post on my LinkedIn profile, um, that tells you like everything that you need to basically start a podcast today for like under 200 bucks. So hosting, what to record with, how to get your intro, outro artwork, all of those basic essentials to just get started. Now, is it going to be the world's best podcast or is it going to be like, are you going to be like the, you know, top 100 podcast? Absolutely not. Is it going to be good enough to get started? Yes. Um, and so it, it, it breaks it down of what you need to get started, but more importantly than that, like we're, we're all about helping people start a podcast, regardless if they can afford us, regardless if they have budget, like doesn't matter. Um, we just want everybody in sales to start a podcast. So we do offer a free 45 minute strategy call. It's not an undercover sales call. We're not going to ask you any bant questions. We literally will just find out what you do. And we will recommend the best podcast strategy for you 
answer any questions you have, allow you to pick our brain. And it's very simple to get that. They can just go to podsesh.com. So podsesh.com, it'll go to a calendar link there. And we can literally hop on for 45 minutes. We'll give you a full strategy deck after um, that answers all of your questions and gives you everything that you need to know to get started right away. Colin, where's my pod sesh? There you go. <laughs> you got to click the link, podsesh.com. I love it. I love it. Um, so you've had, uh, it looks like what, like 170-ish as of today episodes? Yeah. Yeah. Anything that stands out to you as like common threads that tend to get brought up a lot on those conversations? <sighs> about podcasting or about sales? About, uh, well, I assume you're, you're talking to them about sales. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say common, common threads that come up on sales transformation. Um, I mean, it's, it's tough because everybody's story and experience is a little bit different and we have various different roles. So yeah. it, it highly depends. Um, you know, but a lot, I would say, I'll tell, I'll tell I'll tell you this the top sellers, like the elite sellers, like people that got the seven figure W2s that are like, you know, top enterprise reps at the biggest software companies that, you know, those people that I've talked to and that I've built relationships with, um, have said, you gotta make space to do more with less people. Mm. So what does that mean? It means go deep on high quality counts, you know? So just your like basic merge field templates and all of that stuff. Like there's definitely space for your high velocity activities. Um, but you got to create some space for like the non-scalable stuff that takes time, the deep work, the personalization, the like really custom proposals, um, to land some of those big deals. And that's people that get good at those things and create space for that. And they're not just caught in that like constant, like activity quota hamster wheel. Those are the sellers that are going to be, you know, at the top, the top 1%. Mm, I love it. Um, all right, let me hit you with a speed round, a couple of quick questions, and then we'll, we'll let you get on your way. Um, all right. So first thing we talked about sales books earlier. Um, anything that you've read recently, anything in any other realm, uh, any other, I guess, topic that you would recommend or something that's been popular with you recently? <sighs> read recently. Hmm. Um, you know, I like to, I'm an audiobook guy. Uh, so sometimes I go back to things that I've already previously read. Um, uh, right now on my playlist on Audible is Challenger. Um, I recently had a couple people from Challenger on the podcast and it was just like, felt like it was time to, to listen to the audio version. But here's what I'll tell you. Book that I'm excited for that's not out yet that you want to be on the lookout for okay. uh, is Andy Paul's next book. And it's titled... Um, sell without sell, sell without selling out. And so that's something mm. you want to be on the lookout for. Okay. Big, uh, Andy Paul fan. What's popping on the Colin Mitchell Spotify playlist right now? Podcast, man. Nothing but podcasts. Is that true? That is true. What, what are some of the shows that you like to listen to? Ooh, uh, let's see. Let's see what we got here. So on this, you know, I mostly listen to Apple podcast, to be honest, um, okay, okay. Spotify, Spotify occasionally. Um, I've got success fundamentals, which is one of our clients revenue harvest from Nigel green. 
um, sales secrets, Brandon Bernanson, um, bare necessities, uh, Rob Napoli. Um, those are the ones that come top to mind, but there's, there's probably a lot more. I'm a podcast junkie. I feel like I understand what the first three are about. What's bare necessities about entrepreneurship. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Um, favorite, uh, people to follow on probably LinkedIn, um, in the sales world. Uh, Justin Welsh, Andy Paul, and Jake Dunlap. All three. Great. All three. Great. Is there anything that we didn't get to today that you were hoping to talk about? You're hoping to share with the audience, uh, that I just forgot to ask you or or didn't get to. Yeah, man. When is Tom going to book his pod sesh? (laughs) (laughs) that's on the to-do list now no man uh you covered a lot i mean there's a lot of good stuff look just to kind of wrap this up final thoughts um if you're thinking about starting a podcast don't overthink it get started you will absolutely fall in love with it your friends will think you're a little bit crazy they might even make fun of you um but there's so much personal and professional growth that comes out of being a podcast host Uh, you will understand why so many people are doing it and you will, you know, absolutely fall in love with it. And it's totally worth it. And they will definitely make fun of you and you should just tell them to shut up and do it anyway. Because you know what, in six months or three months or even two months, they'll be asking you, Hey, how do I start one of these things? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could tell you how many people that that was true for. Um, Calm, what's the best place for folks to, to check you out? I know we talked about the, the podcast, uh, talked about your LinkedIn page. What's the best place for folks to go see you? Yeah. Best place is whatever platform you're enjoying this podcast episode on today, which I'm assuming if you're still sticking around to the end of the episode, you've enjoyed it. So, uh, whatever platform you're on, check out sales transformation. We drop five episodes a week, three interviews, two solo episodes. That is the best way, uh, to find out what's new and exciting and what's going on in our world. Love it. Colin, appreciate you coming on, man. Um, definitely, I would uh, echo everyone, go check out the Sales Transformation Podcast uh, wherever you're listening to this. And uh, man, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks, Tom. What's up, everybody? Thanks for checking out that podcast. Uh, happy July to you. Uh, would love if you took 22 seconds and hit subscribe wherever you're listening or watching this. Uh, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, your favorite podcast player. And be sure to check out some of my content on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm Tom Alamo. And on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Tommy Tahoe. Have a great day. Make it legendary. Peace.